I stopped waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel and lit that bitch up myself. Hi, this is Coach MK, and this is The Morning Mantra. Hi, this is MK Fleming. I'm a run coach based in Denver, Colorado, and this is The Morning Mantra. Today's mantra is, it matters. It matters. Today's mantra was requested by a listener whose husband likes to bring up the recent controversy surrounding the ban of the song Baby It's Cold Outside on the radio station. The general consensus of both sides of the family is that the Me Too movement has gone a little too far. And this listener isn't quite sure if she should speak up, even though she can't quite articulate what it is she's feeling, agreeing with, or disagreeing with. But she finds it really, really odd to be sitting in a room full of women, none of whom seem to share her obvious discomfort with this conversation. She wants to know what to do, or if she needs a mantra to trust her gut, or maybe just to kick in the pants to speak up a little bit. Yay! Well, I like to think you're talking to the right person. I actually recorded a mantra about that a few weeks ago. If you want to go back and look, it's called My Gut is Great. And your gut is great. And we're going to touch on why that is. And I'm going to break down some of my feelings about this song uh, and try to tie it to the context of the controversy itself. And hopefully from there, you can decide whether or not to speak up. I'm not in your shoes. I don't like telling people what to do. Funny enough, I'm all about autonomy. I'm not necessarily about controlling others. Only you can decide in any given moment, time, or place whether it's worth it to you to speak up because only you truly understand what those consequences of speaking up will be. As someone who has a great big mouth and, does, and no shits to give, I am usually well aware of the consequences before I open my mouth and do so anyway. I do not uh, expect most people to do that. In fact, half the reason most people call me crazy is because they think I'm not aware of those consequences because they themselves cannot imagine speaking up. I'm okay with it. You might not be, though. So I'm going to walk you through the thought process the same way my therapist did with me in the wake of my rape. Back in 1997, when the first time I was brutally sexually assaulted, um, I had a lot of feelings, funny enough, about not just the event but the aftermath. I started visiting a therapist, really not knowing what else to do, um, to sort of put those emotions back in place and get a little more control over my feelings because it felt like Everything was triggering back at that time. And I couldn't articulate my feelings either. I was much more a quiet person than I am now. Because I just didn't like confrontation. I wanted to be left alone to do my own thing most of the time. And move through this world by myself most of the time. As I started to try to identify, articulate, and separate my emotions, I found it really useful to use bullet points. So after you listen to this podcast, I would strongly recommend sitting down with a piece of paper and a pencil and just trying to either make a bulleted list or a numbered list of all the things you're uh, thinking and feeling, sort of like the the cooked pot of spaghetti uh, 
illustration I've used in the past, in my Another Mother Runner training programs, I talk about all these thoughts and feelings sitting in a pot like cooked spaghetti. And if we're really going to learn to live with them and sit with them, then we need to be able to pull them out of the pot one by one, straighten them out, and identify them very cautiously and carefully. And until you've gone through that process, you're probably not going to be able to articulate what it is you're thinking and feeling. So here is how I view this situation based on the limited information that you've given me. Bullet point number one. This conversation makes you uncomfortable. I'm quite sure the people in your family and your husband's family that have witnessed these interactions are aware of this fact. They might not acknowledge it, but they know it. What's going on here, your husband is going into these conversations seeking validation. Hey guys, this is what I think. Do you think the same thing? Everyone says, yeah, 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 yeah. That's called validation. Even if it isn't totally, even if they don't share the same idea, they're meeting him where, he, where he's at, and they're agreeing with him. You can validate somebody without agreeing with them, but they're going both, they're taking both steps. So this is occurring around you, and all of these people that claim to care about you, or maybe they don't, but that's family in theory, theoretically supposed to, all of these people are denying you that thing that they're giving him in this conversation, right, that validation, and that's a big deal because, number two, emotions and feelings are responses to stimuli. That means any and every response is valid. We process this world through the lens of our experiences. So, you don't need to be told what to feel. Basic human decency dictates, hey, I don't understand why my wife is having this reaction. Maybe I should ask her where that reaction came from rather than attacking her for having it. It's a big deal here. This is a very big deal because until you kind of ask yourself that question or somebody in, that is calling you irrational, or claiming that something has gone too far, it's worth asking, hey, why do you feel that way? I'm curious. I can't imagine feeling the way you do. But maybe I haven't lived your experience. Would you mind sharing with me? Maybe your husband didn't spend four years of college terrified of being roofied because he knew someone who was. Maybe your husband has never had to go along to get along, fearing how a normal interaction can turn on a dime and all of a sudden you're overpowered and you're going along with something to make sure that you don't want to do to make sure you aren't attacked or hurt in a bigger or worse way. Most women listening to this can probably relate to that on some level, even if you've just nodded and smiled politely to get away from a drunk guy at a bar that insisted on taking his pants off to show you a tattoo, a dude that you ended up marrying three years later. That's a true story. There is, the heart of this matter is this notion that if it's consensual, 
then it's okay. And this is a hotly contested issue. You have second wave feminists like to come out of the woodwork and say, hey, you consented, that's not rape, but, and you don't get the right to complain about it. Third and fourth wave feminism say, hey, not so much, because fourth wave feminism is centered around not just the idea of inclusion, but it's also centered around the idea of power structures, but I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Bullet point number three is about the song. So the first two bullet points are really kind of about you and this reaction. The rest we're going to be talking about the song. So this was written in 1939 by a married couple. Um, that they would perform this song at Christmas parties at their friends' houses. Because no one had TV back then. In this day and age, in 1939, women had social constraints. Huge ones. The sort of thing, even as late as the 1960s, keep the girls indoors and the boys won't get in trouble. Oh, women had curfews and we had house mothers. While boys would go out and do really whatever the fuck they wanted. Girls were the ones that carried the societal consequences. So this song in 1939 was way ahead of its time because this woman consented. If you go back and read the lyrics, which, you know, if this a podcast is already going to be way longer than I normally intend to do. <clears throat> but she isn't saying no. This is a game. This is foreplay. She wants to stay. And her counter argument is there will be huge societal consequences if I do, therefore I can't. Is the dude predatory? Is, are his actions predatory? Maybe. But this is where it gets thorny too because that's what we're talking about in fourth wave feminism with rape culture. Rape culture normalizes predatory behavior. That's just what guys do. That's just foreplay. It's always okay. And it's always okay if it's consensual. We challenge that notion a little bit and say, hey, Maybe, maybe this predatory behavior isn't okay at all. And that is the backlash, and that's where it is often said this is going too far. So, the next bullet point would be about the current ban. In my opinion, it's a poorly thought out, protectionary, knee-jerk, corporate measure that's designed to avoid a conversation that we all need to be having. That said, I get it. Most corporations don't want to be involved in that conversation because you're going to take one side, you're going to lose profit, or you're going to get caught up in, in a conversation, leading a conversation that you aren't qualified to participate in, much less handle. So that's fine and fair. That's by sidestepping the conversation, a bunch of radio stations have inadvertently created a conversation. And I think this conversation is super important. But I'm so much fun at dinner parties and people have me over all the time. Just to see, my mouth's like a wizard's hat. You never know what's going to come out. I'm way better than cable television. So here's the conversation that I'm going to be having next time somebody brings it up. That guy in the song is a dick. Stop talking about the song. Talk about the dick. Let's talk about the pressure on women because rape is really hard to prosecute. And consent changes rapidly. He has it until she pays consequences, and then, in the cold, harsh light of day, we can look at an entire interaction differently. Because this little thing exists now that we've never really talked about before, and they're power structures and privilege. You see, what well, this bothers me, because that song ends with the dude getting what he wants, and we gloss over the fact that she wanted it too, but he 
he's still a dick for going along with it or and asking her to do it and allowing her to do it and encouraging her to do it because he's not going to pay the consequences. She is. Fourth wave feminism discusses these power imbalances. He doesn't recognize his privilege in the situation, and she doesn't call him out on it. The whole song is a playful interaction between two people that want to get it on, but society won't let her. They'll let him, but not her. We've normalized the male behavior, and we've created this culture of slut-shaming keep the girls in and the boys won't get in trouble. Therefore, when something goes wrong, you shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have consented, you, 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 all this pressure on the women. The conversation we need to have and have been having poorly is about the guy in question. And really, he's just a dick. There's no two bones about it. It's, it's, the consent is actually beside the point because the song, again, 1939, it was ahead of its time and it's all about consent. What we don't talk about are the, the power structures and the consequences and the results and why it's so awful for him to push this situation where she's going to pay the price and he won't at all. Remember Les Mis? I really hate that play. I hate the play. I hate the movie. I hate the book. I can't not believe it is taught in schools. It is a piece of garbage. It's important from a historical perspective of how poorly we used to treat each other. At the same time, it's really not that different today. Look at how we talk about single mothers. Look at how we talk about people that are below the income line, having more children than they can afford. It's a culture of slut shaming that's really, 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 really pervasive, and that's what we need to be talking about. We need to talk about male action. We need to talk about the pressure we put on women to keep men from taking these actions. And we need to talk about very, very, very complex, high-level um, ideas and notions about this stew of mass culture that we all live in, and it's really hard to see when you're in it, which is why it's so hard to articulate what you're feeling in these moments when you're in a conversation that bothers you and you aren't quite sure why. And my final note on this, I, much as I love the movie Elf, in years past, I had never really sat down to watch it. The first time I sat down to watch it start to finish was in 2012, and I was horrified at that scene where she's taking a shower and he's sitting right there listening to her sing. And she's horrified and angry. And it's funny because he doesn't know any better. But we're having a laugh at her discomfort and her expense. And I can, in that moment, I cannot, I, I cannot imagine the sheer terror of being alone and vulnerable in a shower late at night, no one around, because... I can't afford to pay the water bill in my apartment. Everything about that in that scene is actually kind of creepy through the lens of my experience as someone that was on the lower end of the economic scale and attacked by someone that was at the higher end. I see her powerlessness in that situation, and that scene appalls me in a movie that I otherwise love, compounded by the fact that they're singing this song that has a line in it, a line that a lot of women find really triggering What's in this drink? Yes, it was playful in 1939, but that's a question that came to dominate most of our college years, and through the lens of our experience, that sounds terrible because it's our worst nightmare revisited. So that's how I feel about it. I can't tell you what to feel, but I can tell you this. Your gut's great. Your gut is correct. Speaking up is not something I can tell you to do or and would not be ethical for me to encourage you to do it. Only you know when you're in a safe space and if you can make anyone listen. I certainly hope that this has helped you 
sort those feelings out or at least initiate the process in some way. But it's good for you to be thinking this way because someday this is going to be a conversation that you have to have with your, not just your daughters, but also with your sons. When it's okay to push, when you really need to back off, what privilege looks like. And privilege is when two people are in the same, in this, uh, in the same boat, but only one has to pay the consequences. And if you don't have to pay the consequences, guess what? That's called privilege. Power structures matter. It matters. This matters. And this is my final note. It's going to be tying this back to the mantra at the beginning. If it matters to you, it matters, period. And fuck anyone that won't validate you. Fuck anyone that won't meet you where you're at. And fuck anyone that claims to care about you and tells you what to feel and it in it completely ignores your response in this very emotional moment. Anyone that cared about you should be asking, hey, where'd that response come from? Tell me more about the lens of your experience. Not telling you that you're wrong. You are great. Your gut is great. You adult like a boss. You're an incredible, amazing mother. You are a rational, sentient, whole human being. There is nothing wrong with you, but there is something very wrong in this situation that you articulated to me. You are coached, you are loved, and you are winning at life. OMG, Christmas time is here. Happiness and cheer. There, I sang for you. Are you happy? Yay, you're welcome. Christmas is on the way, and you should get on your way over to Instagram and check out BrooksMK12. That's my personal page. Or, and, actually, and, Morning Mantra Pod. That's the podcast's Instagram page. Every day from now till Christmas, I'll be releasing another one of the Flaming Family outtakes from what will finally become the Christmas card. Check it out. Brand new one every day. There's a 12 days of Christmas. I like to think of it as the Fleming Family Advent Calendar. 